met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face. The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Welcome to another episode of Subconscious Realms. I'm your host, General Lee. And for tonight, we have one of our incredible returning guests joining us. And in my opinion, this individual has his own totally unique level of talent. That's something, something like I've never seen before. Um, he really is something else. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the absolutely extraordinary Sir Robbie Marks. Now then, Robbie, mate. Hey, how you doing, Lee? I'm good, man. I'm good. Um, Nice. Have you, mate? Yeah, doing well, doing well. Oh, good to hear, um, Robbie. Last week, <laughs> part one, mate. The... Yeah, we we had to start the recording because we were already starting to get off and talking about this stuff, which is yeah. funny. Yeah. You know? Um, do you know for for part one, mate? Right, the the way you laid it out, the foundation for what's now going to be um, part two. Um, mm. I, it was it was fucking spot on, mate. It was um, as oh, good. as far as the book uh, of invasions. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, 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 just just how you how you described it. Um, you know, um, I mean, like I said in your intro, mate. Um, your talent is, I mean, your art is. <laughs> you know what what your art means to me. It's uh, it's incredible. But, thanks, thanks. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. Um, you know, as far as going through the Book of Invasions um, yeah. and how that related back to all the uh, series I did with New York Patriot on, uh, you know, the Nimrod book. Yeah. Um, and it gets into all, but then this is kind of a side, um, you know, story as far as the Fomorians. Um, and then we had talked about doing the um, the Chronicles of Erie down the road. Yes, yes I think the, which is yeah, the Celtic. Think- Mate, in my opinion, it, I'm sure you'll agree. It's going to go hand in hand. Um, it does. Well, and that's, you know, I was even, you know, looking at how the Book of Invasions um, directly draws us from um, ancient Babylon, you know, to Ireland. So, you know, I think that that it might be, maybe even be a good idea to go back and cover, you know, um, Babylon, the Babylonians, you know. And, and, I think that is... Um, Perfect. Yeah, because then it kind of ties it into, you know, a broader scope, you know. Um, yeah, it's all the, the, the connections into like, um, I mean, you've even got like, um, in a way, a biblical connection to the Book of Invasions, which right. is, right. you know, it's, um, surprising really, isn't it? How, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and, 
I, I almost at this point, man, I almost look like I almost feel like the Bible is but just a tiny little footnote in all of this history. That's a very good way of putting it, mate. Um, yeah. Is it just a coincidence? I don't think so, mate. Um, especially with how, I mean, I, especially with how detailed. Mm. Well, and, and, you know, I mean, I think that, that in regard to the idea of the Sun King and the culmination of, you know, the Christ man in regard yeah. to Jesus, I think that's, you know, that's a really important story that's affected all of history. But the thing is, within the Bible, man, you know, a lot of people have no conception of the background or the history or pre-biblical, you know, and, and when you start talking about, you know, the fallen angels, you know, were the Atlanteans, um, people look at you, you know, a little, little cockeyed. Um, but, but it's when you, when you analyze the texts, man, it, it, you know, and these Fomorians, um, you know, as well were traced back to the pre-Diluvian society. You know, as far as being yeah. from um, before the flood. Yeah, um, it is. It's remarkable the um, the directions that you can go um, mm. with with your. You I mean you can change your perspective on things. Um, we, I think that's a good thing about about all everything. All of this, mate, is possibilities. You can right. go. Right. Um, it could be endless. I mean, who knows? Yeah. Well, you know, in in every new time cycle um, creates new mythos as the you know the as the time spins into the present. You know, um, so every time there is a like a global catastrophe or some sort of a you know a, a like a the flood or you know like the Mayan calendar says at one point will be taken out by fire you know and it's like all these different you know and the the um distinct um aspect of the the giant asteroid you know plummeting and hitting the earth and we have like the ice cream scoop that's out you know in the middle of the uh what is it the pacific ocean there you know um it's you know so so i think you know when you look at like michael cremo's work and you know going back and talking about that humans maybe you know i mean we know i think from from current history um from a baby tooth found in siberia that humans go back somewhere um around 400 million or 40 million years and michael right. cremos michael cremo says it's something like 400 million years you know but, yeah. but that's the whole thing man you know if if um it's it's the if the aliens made us then who made the aliens it's like you know who at what point you know does it does it it's like in the movie contact you know it's like we'll never know the actual origin you know because well it's like in the bible they talk about the elohim made us but you know the elohim is multiple um you know so who made the elohim you know is it like is it like yaldabaoth as far as the gnostic sophia and the idea of the you know the the mad god that that thinks you know he, that doesn't see the god above god you know <laughs> um yeah yeah it's it's definitely interesting man when you start it looking is, at all this stuff fascinating robert it really is yeah yeah so now um 
with the word Fomori in itself, right? Um, if you get into uh, Ignatius Donnelly's book on Atlantis, I don't know if you if you know about that book. What's the book called, mate? It's Sorry. just called it. It's uh, I'm pretty sure it's just called Atlantis, but it's it's by Ignatius Donnelly. Um, but he, that book is phenomenal, man. If you wanna if you wanna read about these um, pre-diluvian free you know pre-flood people, um, it's it's probably one of the uh, the main historical sources um, that that you know titillates the mind's eye. Um, if you want to look at Atlantis, you know, yes, um, I'm definitely so, going to be looking for this one. Way. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And I, that's the thing, man. I read this book 20 years ago. I need to go back and revisit this book now, you wow. know? Um, but nonetheless, Ignatius Donnelly, um, in that he traces the, the word Fomorian, he traces it back to ancient texts. And he says that it was written as for, more uh, here we go form horiak or form Africa. so basically he traces it back to africa um and and you know when you get into the out of africa theory and and a lot well and you know you have these different like you have the red-headed giant showing up in ireland you know you have these fomorians which ignatius donnelly is tracing back to you know um, africa and atlantis um you have it, it's interesting to see um in like in the egyptian um you know um wall uh, reliefs they have the different hair colored people you have the black haired people the red haired people the blonde haired people and the you know so it's just interesting to see um these different sources coming and moving and and i guess it was later anglicized to formorian yeah 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 that's uh i, I would lean that way mate because like saying the, the, it's gonna get changed from each culture mm. Right, right. And uh, now, if if we think about um, these Fomorians, right, um, basically it, after the flood spreading possibly from Africa um, to the west coast, you know, into Ireland, and even there are tales of um, Fomorian-type beings in Scotland, um, which we'll touch on here as we go through this. Um, but we can see that these people... Uh, these peoples were building um, in the Cyclopean or the Cyclops, you know, style. So we can directly relate these to um, the Cyclops of like um, ancient um, Cana and Babylon and, you know, getting into, but nonetheless, they built like Cyclopean walls, you know, they um, created stone circles. Um, they had the carven stone, um, and and just solar symbols everywhere, you know. Would the uh, Cyclops be classed as a demigod? I think so. Yeah. 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 Um, and and that was the whole thing was um, the Cyclops. When you get into the Cyclops, um, it's the idea of um, originally being able to see three hundred and sixty degrees, being being able to see our, all arcs and angles simultaneously. You know, so it was this higher ascended form of vision, um, you know, um, and it was that that single eye, I think, is more related to the third eye, you know. Hey, mate, 
that's a fucking good shout that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, so when when uh, in in the Book of Invasions, um, you know, we mentioned the war between the Furbolgs and the Toothy Dadana. Um, and what's interesting um, that as I was researching this, um, it's interesting that the um, the Furbolgs um, and the Toothy Dadana um, and the Fermorians all spoke the same language. And, and, you know, because w when the Fomorian king came and interbred with the, or bred with the Tooth Dinanang, um, he came and the woman, he, you know, they understood each other perfectly. Um, and then even in the battle between the, uh, the Furbogs and the, uh, the Tooth Dinanang, um, they even talk about the fact that they're surprised that they know each other's language so well. That you they know, have the same type, you know, the same words, yeah. the same, you know, and they could easily understand one another. Crazy connection. Do you know something else, mate, right? Thinking with, uh, like we say, the Fomorians, um, like, um, well, let's believe, like you just said, Robbie, uh, African origin. Mm -hmm. You've got um, to ask of what. Um, allegedly are like Scythian right or from Scythian uh, stock so to speak mm -hmm. the football what would the what would the like the original origin be the furbogs yeah I think that they were the people that were trained in the new language um that that basically um and they drove out the tooth um you know, yeah, because the 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 first battles they had with this, I said, now they lost them. Yeah, 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 and that's most of what you really find um, in regard to the uh, the Fermarians is this these two main battles. Yeah, um, and and I think this is um, what we're really seeing here is how um, these people came in. And basically, much like the Tooth Dinanan um, kind of drove out the Fermorians, um, the 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 Furblog um, drove out the Tooth Dinanan, and it's it's kind of like the story of um, Zeus, you know, um, driving out his father, and then eventually moving to Mount Olympus, you know, and and basically the the land was peopled and the people took over. You know, so it's kind of like in many of these stories, you know, like the Eastern stories, um, like Rama, um, basically the gods flee, you know, Earth. Um, and even in the like Druidic practices, um, they talk about that when the gods left the Earth and settled um, onto the moon, um, that, that they accidentally left the um, mistletoe. Um, because that was a lunar plant that they had left behind. And then eventually they left the moon. And so, and, and Rama actually mixes up, you know, batches of, of the Soma and, and goes on a quest to hunt down and bring the gods back to the earth. You know, so, so we're slowly seeing, yeah, but, but we're slowly seeing the idea that um, these, these, um, men of renown these men of old these nephilim these giants um yes. they're they're like um kind of being 
um, bred into lower stocks, like the, their superiority is slowly dissipating and leaving. And a lot of these cultures, I think, um, look at these different giants, um, as, um, you know, gods on earth or some yeah. sort of a demigod well, on earth, you know? That way. Um, it's just particularly fascinating to me how, well, I mean, I didn't know about the language. You've got mm. three different tribes that, um, from three different areas of um, Earth realm yeah, speaking and, the same language. Uh, right. But not only that, it's like... Um, well, and that would kind of go along with the idea that before the Tower of Babel fell, um, everyone spoke the same language. Mate, mate. You know? You know? It's... Uh, it's a fucking remarkable connection. Yeah. Um, so now, basically, um, you know, one of the main stories in regard to the Fumerians is this uh, Fumerian king. And um, let's see here. So um, this is basically the story of the birth of Bres, B-R-E-S, um, who would become one of the king's of the Tutanana, right? Um, you know, so, beginning of it, it's particularly yeah. interesting how they have um, intermarried. Mm. Well, uh, they didn't intermarry. Um, what? What? Just, well, they did later down the road. Um, right. But but yeah. in the beginning here, we basically have this Fomorian king, right? So we have the the mother um, whose name is Iru, E R I U, and she dwells amongst the Tutinana, right. and she's basically um, some sort of uh, you know uh, really sought after. Like all the Tutinana are like courting her and trying to you know seek her hand. And um, nonetheless, one day she's standing on the shore, and in the distance she sees a silver ship. And um, slowly the ship comes in, and from the ship comes, comes this Fomorian king. And he had golden hair down to his shoulders. Um, he had a cloak and a shirt um, hemmed with golden thread. Um, he had a bejeweled brooch on his chest. He uh, carried two silver spears and had a gold-hilted sword. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and he basically got off the boat and walked up to her and said, shall we make love? <laughs> right, right. No fucking about there. <laughs> no fucking about, right. So, basically, they uh, it says that they made love for one hour on the beach. Oh, right? I didn't see that, mate. I saw it an hour. Just an hour, yeah. And um, let's see. Uh, so Iru, after they, after they, you know, um, have their time, um, she's like, she's like, you know, of all the young men of the Tutanan wooing me in vain, but I give myself to you. She's like, I don't even know your name, right? So he says, I am. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. He says, I am Elath Mac Del Beath. So that's this king's name, the king of the Fomorians. Ah. 
And he tells her, he says, you will bear me a son. Name him Briss, Briss the Beautiful. Um, and he gives her a golden ring that he tells her will fit um, the future king perfectly. And then he disappears, right? Just like vanishes. Just like jumps back in his ship and heads back to wherever he came from. What a dude. Right? He's the original stud. Right, right. That's, you know, the origin of rock and roll, dude. <laughs> um yeah so nonetheless uh bress um he is he's born at, in accordance with the you know the prophecy given by um elatha macdel bayath and um so now it says you know and she names him bress b-r-e-s and it says in the text that he grew twice as fast as the as normal boys and he became king of the Tuthi Danana. But he became he became king. Do you know something, right? If he if he's got like demigod um, DNA, he's right. most likely going to be. Um, he's most most but likely going to develop a, a lot quicker. Oh, we can only assume on our giant would um, develop. Mm, right, right. If he's like I said, if he's a demigod. Yeah. Well, and it does it does say, you know, I mean, when we get into the idea of of bringing these um, rulers into the lands, you know, yeah. um, and this kid's grown twice as fast and he's probably of larger stature, um, you know, um, but nonetheless, Bress was when he was king, he was said to be an evil king. An evil king? So, an evil king. Yeah. Right, right. Um, one of the one of the quotes, it says. Um, the knives were not greased by him at fests, at feasts, nor did their breath smell of ale. There was no music or poetry. The crops withered and people starved because Bress neglected his royal duty. So it like basically didn't give a shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and it says that. Well, and then on top of that. Um, he was in league with the Fomorian kings and he basically um, imposed tribute or a tax on all of the land. So, and it said, so there was no house with smoke that was not under his rule. Right. 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 It's not, it's not going to have shit from the Fomorians is it? Cause he's part Fomorian. Right. Right. And they, they, they yeah, so that. He, what's that? Do you think they would have known he was uh, like? Yeah, that? it didn't. It didn't say one way or the other. You know, you can, like, um, you can only assume, mate, can't you? Like, uh, it might have been like a big dude, like um, huge. Oh, you, yeah, you don't know, do you? Well, and you got to wonder how big this ring was because when he when he <laughs> became king, she <laughs> gave him the ring and it fit perfectly. You know, um, it's yeah, yeah, interesting to think about though. Very interesting. Um, but it says that under um, Bress, when he was king, um, even the great warriors of the Tooth de Dana um, became servants. And it says Ogma carried firewood and Dagda was made to build a fortress for Bress. So basically, he's got these Tooth de Dana, um, you know, working for him, doing all his, his wow. mis you know, miscellaneous tasks. Yeah, he must have um, had some power though, and some respect for for like, yeah, like you say, for Tuatha Day and they were 
Yeah. Well, it's the shining ones. You know? Right. Um, so if he's ruling over them, you know, he's got to have, he's got to have some kind of mojo, you know? Oh yeah. I bet he's walking around crotch first. Mm. Oh, near enough semi-erect constantly about, about that lad. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's definitely, we're going to get into some of the sexual aspects of some of these characters here in a little bit. Um, and, and we're also now the other thing that we have to consider is, you know, um, I went through 30 plus books looking for, you know, stuff on the Fermerians and everything you find is a fragment. Um, you'll find a small piece here, a small piece there. So um, as we go through this, I'm trying to, I tried to make some semblance of order out of it all. Um, yeah. But at the same time, um, we're probably going to be a little bit jumping around, you know. You know something, you know something, Robert? Uh, quite possibly one of the most difficult um, uh, um, type of people or, or say tribe uh, mm. to look into um, Alpha Morians. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that to me, that's what makes it more intriguing. Right. Right. Because um, it's kind it's not, of, it's you know, it's just like, it's like uh, just little, just fragments, you know. I mean, and, and you're trying to piece it together. It's it's just really, really misty, you know. It's really far back in yeah. the timescape, you know. Um, so at a, at a certain point, um, let's see. Um, so it was it was when King um, Nunda is killed in a battle. That was when um, uh, Brias succeeded him and uh breast basically upset the bardic it says the bardic wizards right bardic. yep so he upset the bardic wizards and as a result he had to flee from ireland to the fort of his kin um a, someone named eloth who was a fomorian sea king or Eloth. a pirate Yeah, uh, you, you, depending on which route you take when you're researching the Fomorians, mm. pirates is mentioned. Um, mm. And that, you know, again, it's it makes the possibility of... Uh, of you, yeah. <laughs> mm. you, you can go numerous ways. I mean, pirates to me, I love it. Right. I love the idea. Well, and you got to figure this far back. I mean, uh, you know, the Phoenicians were the were the ones that were really, you know, out in the sea regions. So you have to again back to that Mesopotamian region, um, most likely or possibly, you know. Um, but but nonetheless, when he got there to uh, Eloth's, um, he was not received well. And he ended up having to flee from there. Um, and this is when he actually goes and joins um, King Baylor of the Evil Eye, who was a Fomorian yeah. chief. Oh, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. So, and, and this is the point at which, um, you know, he basically works with Baylor of the Evil Eye um, to form an army 
to basically go back in and overrun the tooth de Dana. And, um, and, and now um, we're going to, so this King um, Nuada in, in the battle, right? The reason that Bress got to succeed was because King Nuada had his arm chopped off at one point, right? Ah. right and in all the ancient um philosophies um in regard to secession of kings um there was a pretty standard rule no matter where you were that if um something happened to the king and he was no longer if he's like me or like as a disability would be right so he would lose his kingship because he was not not a whole, you know, person, right? Um, and and now when when he had to flee because he was mistreating um, the land and the Tutanana, um, basically um, King um, Nuada, which is interesting also because Nuada relates back to the Indian story of uh, the Noah the Noah character, right? Um, but. But nonetheless, they build uh, King Nuada a silver hand. Um, I saw a silver hand and also saw a silver arm. So, um, and I think this is the the origin of where we see um, in Game of Thrones, um, Bran getting his hand chopped off. Um, Uh, Is it Lannister? Was it Jamie Lannister who got his his hand chopped? Yeah, Jamie. I said Bran. Jamie Lannister. Jamie Lannister. Yeah, but I also think it's the origin of the um, Luke Skywalker and Star Wars mythos. Fucking hell, Robbie! That is uh... the the hand getting chopped off. You know, and and I even found in one case that they said that the that they had replaced it with a silver arm or silver hand. And um, in one of the stories, it actually said that um, it had moving parts and functioned almost as well as his old hand. Really? Yeah. So we're we're talking about robotics, man. Very much like Luke Skywalker there. Yeah. Um, To think of, we don't know what technology they have about them, do we? Right. We have no idea, man. I mean, we're talking... We're talking, you know, post-Atlantean, you know, so there's a, a distinct possibility that um, some of these uh, these technologies um, maybe yeah. survived and were used until the point where they were no longer, to re- you know, able to replace the parts and they just kind of phased out, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Bye, yeah. yeah. So now, um, let's see now, let's get into Baylor of the evil eye, right? And um, it said that he possessed the eye, right? And um, in one place, it said that the eye was a sophisticated weapon, and the eye was a gigantic burnished circular disc mounted on pulleys and derricks. Do you think does it sound like a like a, a singular giant laser beam of some sort? That's kind of like maybe uh, some sort of a mirror to be able to focus the sun is what I was possibly thinking. So it's, it's generating that you know? power from the sun. That's that sounds mint, that mate. I right? love it. 
right but but that was only one of the the tales right um the some of the other ones said that he had um one huge leg and a supernatural eye right <laughs> in, in his in his head almost like a psych you know or a third eye like of the cyclops you know yeah, yeah. um and it's and i found the, the story of um basically it said that when he was young he was leaning over a cauldron while his father's druids were making some sort of a potion and the fumes from the potion rose up and settled into his eye giving him the power to kill hundreds at a glance wow right Right. and um balor and his wife um they lived uh, you know back to tory island um and they lived in the castle on tor moor and this was said to be nine miles northwest of ireland so we have an actual description is it an, an actual island there are some islands off island right right so you know if we look at the map i would that i didn't i didn't have the time to do it um but if we look at the map i'm wondering if there is a um an island nine miles to the northwest of ireland somebody can probably tell us that yeah maybe, maybe if, um somebody from ireland if they could um yeah let right. us know um what now it might not be there now uh, right know, because, uh, depending on on yeah yeah, yeah. um but, it's it, again it adds even more fascination to, to the mystique the, yeah the yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's brilliant right. isn't it um now Baylor's wife um was called Ketalion and um Ketalion Keth, Leon. C-E-T-H-L-I-O-N. Right. And uh, she was the queen of the Fomorians, and she was said to be buck-toothed. Right? Fucking hell, that's a compliment to half of it. Right, and um, she was also a, pro- a prophetess, and she foretold of the downfall of her people and the um, defeat of the Tooth Dinanan as well. So she saw that, that both the Fomorians and the Tooth Dinanan were going to be fallen people. Right? Yeah. Now, um, in, in the battle, um, Baylor, um, when he slays um, in the second battle of Mortura, um lug so we have this character of lug which we're we'll get into lug here in a minute but this is basically i want to go through all of of balor um the evil eye um so lug this character lug we'll get into him in just a minute but he sent a sling a sling stone into balor's single eye with (laughs) with such force it scattered his brains to the four winds and and these scattered brains killed at least 27 Fomorian warriors who did not take cover. Wow. You know, Bobby, just yeah. before, you, before you continue, it sounds very familiar to 
Um, the, well, and I this uh, the story of Luke and Baylor, I think it directly directly relates to um, uh, what is it the the biblical story of uh, of uh, the giant and the little boy with the sling. That's, that's yeah, David and Goliath. David and Goliath, exactly. Um, I think I think David and Goliath is an echo of this story. Um, that you know, so so we may be seeing continuity between two cultures here. You know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing, right? it? it really is. <laughs> so now, um, then they took that after after he his brains were dashed to the four winds. Um, they took Baylor's corpse, and it was hung on the sacred hazel, um, which thereupon dripped poison and spit asunder. Whoa. Right. So they basically, I think, maybe they hung it up as an example, kind of like the hanged man, you know, um, how they used to display the dead coming into town. Yeah, saying don't come up in here acting up, you know. Yeah, cages, stuff we used to uh well the torture won't they mate. Right, right. Um so let's see. Um now the uh tooth denanan um defeated the furball um at the first battle of Mag Ture. Um, driving them into exile amongst the Fomorians. And this was when that character of Nuada um, lost an arm in battle. Yeah. And, and here I have written down, as his form was no longer perfect, this is out of the text, as his form was no longer perfect, he could no longer be king, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he abdicated that, the, the breast. to but then with the uh, the rule of like saying he's lost it in battle, he's deformed in some way, so it right. can no longer be a king. Right, right. And and I think in um later on in the temple environment, um, you'll see in many religions that if a man were deformed or had any um, visible mark on his face or had any, you know, signs of that they weren't allowed into the temple region either, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, so basically um, we have this uh, Nuada who abdicates to Bress, right? And Bress, if we remember, was half Tuthinanan and half Fomorian from the king that came in on the silver ship, right? Yeah. Um, and then Bress had to, to flee um, because he was the unsatisfactory king. Um, and here, uh, let's see. So, and then Nuada, now with the silver arm, becomes once again the king with the help of Lug. And this is before the second battle at Magtir. Um, and, so, and, and this battle coming up um, is uh, basically um, Bress with um Baylor of the evil eye and the army that they built um to go back in and subdue the tooth once again right so let's see 
but trying to take all these miscellaneous fragments and piece together this this story you know it was it took a little bit of time <laughs> right. I, I can imagine uh, especially so, with there's not there's nothing that well nothing that i found well, you didn't find either is it's like a continuation of like a proper description of them it's just fragments like you said yeah that's yeah. and that's what makes it so intriguing yeah and mysterious very <laughs> yeah yeah so now this this character we talked about lug right um and he's basically helping um, the the revivified king of the Tuthinana. Um and um, so Lug comes to um, a great feast um, to Noada, right? And he wants to be basically brought in um, under one of the castes that they have. Um, under one of the trades that they have, right? So he comes in and he says, well, you know, I'm a builder. And they're like, oh, we don't need builders. We we already have all the builders we need. And he's like, well, I'm a smith as well. And they're like, oh, no, we don't need us. We already have all the smiths. And he's like, well, I'm a champion of warriors. And they're like, yeah, we already <laughs> have great warriors. We don't, we don't need any more warriors. And he's like, well, I'm a poet as well. And they're like, oh, our poets are just fine, right? So he's like, well, I'm a physician. And they're like, no, we have the best physicians. <laughs> and, and he's like, well, I'm a sorcerer as well. And they're like, oh, well, we we have, you know, our sorcerers that we really trust. And he's like, he's like, okay, and that's that's fine and all. But do you have anyone amongst you who is all of those things? It's got him right on it. Right, right. So, and they didn't, right? So, um, basically, uh, you know, he comes in. Um, there was a line about, you know, once he's at the feast um, and they're all they're all hanging out and partying and eating. Um, there's there's a, uh, a part where it talks about um, he takes the harp and he played it so sorrowful that all the warriors wept. And um, let's see. I love it. But but nonetheless, Lug. Um, he ends up um, leading the fight against the Tooth Denana, right? Um, and let's see. So I have uh, this is a quote from the the text here. It says the sorcerers pledged to shake the roots of the mountains, so the Fomorians would think the land of Ireland itself was against them. That's very interesting, right? Uh, and it also says here's another line. It says. We will enchant the very trees and rocks against them," said the women who were the weavers of magic. So magic is being uh, being facilitated. Oh yes, yes. Then, and as I went through this, there's quite a bit of of um, different magical phenomena going on. Oh, I could imagine, mate. Uh, yeah. There's all sorts going on with all, all those wizards running about. Right, right. And the, what was it, you know, the way that Baylor even got his evil eye, you know, it said his father's druids were mixing a magical potion and it leaked into his eye, you know. 
So Thursday, I'll, I'll commit the, the yeah. Well, and I don't know, man. What if maybe they were brewing up some sort of a sacred uh, hallucinogenic brew, and some hey. somehow the little wee lad got a hold of it? You know. Right. Yeah. You know? Yes. That that's there in it, um, especially with how people describe them. I mean, yeah, right. it's not just being giants, but you've got pirates being mentioned. You know, if they're yeah. tripping balls, they're gonna gonna see people with running yeah. about with one leg and stuff. Um, yes, yeah, <laughs> Rick and Morty with the giant arm. <laughs> um. So now, um, in this, in I'll tell you what, I, I should have quoted this one part, and I wish I had. Um, but it talks about the battle that ensued, um, between, um, breaths, breasts and, um, um, Baylor of the evil eye against the Fomorians and Nuada. And, you know, it basically goes into just this, this gut wrenching, you know, blood filled battlefield with, you know, um, I mean, it, it's, it's, it was quite the, I should have written it down so that, but. Um, nonetheless, it says that after days of battle, um, Bress offered Lug, and it said, the secret of abundant sowing and reaping forevermore. That sounds uh, very cryptic. Right? So I think what's happening is they're basically um, – from the from the because Bress is with the um, Baylor of the Evil Eye, who's who's a Fomorian chief, right? And I think that these Fomorians um, have the um, the knowledge of agriculture. Now, this is what I mean. Uh, Really interesting, like agriculture, which right. uh, would have been uh, an, an imperative necessity back then. Uh, During the time, right, right. Definitely. And it, it is for this, the uh, secret of abundant sowing and the reaping forevermore that Lug spares breasts. And um, then, then it says the battle of Magturad was silent save for the crows who fed on the dead. Ah. And the Fomorians were vanquished, um, and the Tuthinanon ruled Ireland. And um, then it said that, the, uh, that Tuan um, soared over the island in the form of a hawk. So oh. I... I Right. I wonder how much uh, this might tie into um, Horus and the Hawk. It's depicted with uh, as a Hawk. Mm. And now looking into, um, let's see, the the Fomorians in general, right? When when you get into the description of descriptions of them. They were always referenced to as being giants. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, and they were a savage race. They were hunters and fishermen. Um, they were ignorant of metals, pottery, and even it said possibly fire. 
and and they used stone hammers and hatchets in their work and their war. Imagine, mate, being chased by like a thirty-foot giant one-eyed. with a stone hammer. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> you know? Do you know? Do you think that's there's a connection to the pre-flood giants that I mentioned in the? Um, oh yeah. The, no, the, the I think the Fomorians were a hundred percent some of the remaining Atlanteans um, after the the last great cataclysm. You know, mate. I I'm gonna I'll swear that way. Um, just out of pure, pure, pure fascination of. Uh, mm. Of the origin, and I mean, they could be at these the actual giants from the Bible, for all we know, right? But just like like well, and and yet, and thought, oh yeah, we'll go over England, Ireland way, right? Don't well, know, and we know we know in um, the Bible it was during the days of Jared that the fallen angels came down and began breeding with the earth women, and you know, essentially that in in the the you know, ancient uh, rabbinical texts and the different Sumerian texts. Um, okay. And even, you know, it, it's basically the beginning of the propagation of, of this class of giants that we yeah. see, you know, in all these cultures under different names. You know, you the Nephilim. The, the first generation, so to speak. They well, there? and yeah, I mean, I think even in um, ancient Atlantis, um, that that they had the original like full stock and that they were having full stock breed with you know potential full stock um, but but that's the thing over time um, the interbreeding of the intercession with humans you know and, and it's like at one point in um, in the um, Acadian when the uh, when the Acadian Empire um, basically becomes right the previous empire empire before that um the sumerians they were working on a base 60 system right which is where we get our 360 degrees and the 12 hour clock when you break it down into the 60 seconds right 60 base system um and and i think that this has to do with these ancient giants basically having 12 fingers and 12 toes because that then you can function within a, a 60 base system very easily. Um, and I think that when the Akkadian empires began to rise, that essentially it was reduced down to a 10 decibel system because humans had 10 fingers and 10 toes. So I, th- I think you're looking at fundamental changes in, you know, and these giants were said to have, you know, six fingers, six toes, two rows of teeth you know, um, just as some of their characteristics, you know, and, and, um, the Fomorians, you know, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting when you compare them to these different characters, as far as the Nephilim or, yes. the, you know, all the, all the, you know, and, and the, uh, Tutanana, actually their origin myth story, um, comes from, um, I want to say it's in, in a Carpathian, like, the region of like Transylvania um, coming down through Greece and, and then, you know, um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting to, to see the movement of these, these various cultures, you know? Yeah, this is brilliant. Uh, Robert. Right. Uh, 
you know when you was uh, doing any research now this might sound a bit far out this Robbie but uh, what's your you know the Giants Causeway in Ireland oh yeah um, did you find any connections um, of there being some sort of uh, land bridge being used from mm. Ireland Scotland and that that um, that path so to speak with the Giants Causeway was used yeah. by the to go from Ireland to Scotland Right, right. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, but, in it. Yeah, I haven't seen anything. But no, I'll keep no. looking for sure. You know. Um, so, but basically, that tale of of those two wars um, is most of what you get um, when you're dealing with the the Fermorians. Um, yeah. But I did manage to find a few various scattered tales. Um, in different texts. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a tale of uh, Finney, who is out hunting in the plains of Clyatch. And Clyatch. yeah, and then this is from the story of Ireland um, by Emily Lawless, and it's from about 1845. Um, but basically, they see this character Finney. Um, saw off in the distance as a Fomorian. And the description straight out of the book, uh, here's a quote, it says, of huge size and repulsive ugliness coming towards them, leading its horse nearly six times as large as any regular horse. <laughs> right? And the horse was broken. So we're talking, you know, th this kind of tells us that these are like ancient creatures, right? Their horses must have been huge to carry uh, <laughs> one of those bad boys. Right, right. Um, but it said that the horse was broken down and knocked kneed with a jaw that stuck out far advanced of its head. And it, it, was, it was covered with tangled, shaggy hair of sooty black. That does not sound pleasant. Sounds right. like that I've been through some pain. I've all buckled legs like that. But, yeah. you know, I wonder what these Fomorians weighed. Right, right. Well, so nonetheless, this Fomorian and the horse come in um, to the to the area where, where Finney is, right? And um, the Fomorian's name is Gila Dacher. And, Gila Dacher. Yeah, and what ended up happening was um, they were sitting around the fire and this this horse um, kind of goes crazy and runs over and kills um, all of Finney and his his you know crew's horses and basically just like picks them up in its mouth and starts shaking them around and and um, they run over um, to try to stop the horse and they jump on it and they're like they like try to stab their uh, their blades into it and they said that the the horse froze and became still and almost like rock and that, that the swords wouldn't penetrate and, you know, and then, and then as soon, you know, and then it would reanimate and um, yeah, just really, really strange. Um, Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it, it's like saying it, it, it went almost to stored. Yeah. Um, um, but what ended up happening was the the Fomorian, he ended up jumping on the back of the horse 
and um, it took off and it said, they said that it rode as fast as the wind and that, that the Formorian was hanging off the back, you know, holding onto the hair with his feet flying in the wind. You know? So basically the horses thought, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. It's all, yeah. Probably yeah. it, mate. Um, let's see. So another tale I found um was this character manx um who became fanned um was the greatest of the irish fairy queens they called her the pearl of beauty and she was the goddess of earthly pleasure health and the sea and uh, she was married to this character um mananan mananan who had abandoned her right and um let's see so fanned this uh this formarian uh no fanned uh was challenged by three formarians in a battle um for control of the irish sea so basically uh mananan he was some sort of a sea king um like like uh you know uh who are we talking like uh, the the roman um or the greek you know um let's see so uh let's see and unable to win um she got chuchu lane to fight for her by marrying him this character chuchu lane um but mananan and chuchu lane was a, a mortal i believe um, and Mamanon, he knew that if the relationship between the fairy and the mortal um, persisted, that it would destroy the fae or the fairy line. That, that's interesting, that way. Right. So basically, we have these three Fomorians that are challenging this fae queen for for the rule of the sea, and. Um, but but so um, Mananan he basically comes back, and um, he uses his magic mantle, and he erased both of their minds and the memory of their love. Cruel, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, um, trying to find any anything on this uh, fake we made. Just sorry to interrupt, Robert. Oh yeah, the Fairy Queen man, Edward Spencer's Fairy Queen is great. It gets a little dark in some places, but that's a fun, fun little read. He's spelling it M A N X. Um, let me look here. I think it's M A. Um, where did it go? Okay, M A N X. So months. Yeah. Yep. Um, now most of the, um, Fumerians that we see, um, are described as being dark skinned in color, um, yeah. with a low brow and somewhat squat or stunted as far as, um, like a, a low and I don't know, you know, gravity, um, you, you have to think and it was like Nimrod, you know, they said the power was in his, his shoulders, because you know his shoulders were like 
a yard and a half wide or a yard, you know. Um, so you got to wonder, like, if these characters were just broad and and not necessarily tall, some of them, you know. Um, well, it's funny you should say that, Rob, because, um, you know, it's been a while since it was brought up on a conversation with Gary Wayne, but he described uh, some of the sizes of these uh, Nephilim. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. And they were they were like uh, how we described it is they were as stocky as they were tall. So they right. were like right. units. Are you a prop yeah. unit? I mean, just solid. Just just fucking solid. Like yeah. Yeah. Low mm. sense of gravity. They were just like a, a perfect right. fucking machine. Right. So. Now, I did find um, a description um, in Scotland, and they were called the Fur Derig, right? And these were a one of, yeah, these were one of the variety of Fomorians, it said, right? So I was spelling that probably, mate. Um, F I R F I R D A R D A R R I G R. I G. Fur Dodig. And it and it said that this translated into red man. Red man. Do you think it's right. just like the red herd? Do you think that would be like the certain tribe or well, tribe or branch of the Fomorians that is right. maybe, and maybe with red hair, possibly. Yeah. Like, like that Lambridge that's... and rosy skin, you know? Yeah. Um and it said that the, that these fur dodig were malevolent and malicious practical jokers um possibly coming from the land of scotland and it in, as far as the description it said they were rat-like they had dark hair and skin they were fat-bodied with a long snout um skinny tails and shabby clothing do you think this is what's making me wonder about this Giant's Causeway being used as a, a language or the start of a language. Right, right. Because it's not that far, really. No. If no, that's that of uh, Northern Ireland, then it, and right. it is to, to like, to, yeah. Uh, yeah, Scotland, like Mullock Tire, like around that way. Right. Yeah. Now, these, uh, these Fur Darig, right, these red men, um, they were also said to be carrion eaters. So they were basically eaters of decomposing flesh, Fuck and they that's right. yeah, and they they preferred fish, um, and they're generally found along polluted areas, um, coastlines, coastal ruins. Um, they're like in damp areas. Yep, yep. They're in yeah. damp areas, marsh areas near the sea. Um, and it said that they enjoy enjoyed a warm fireplace, like basically just sitting next to a warm fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> eating fish. <laughs> yeah, eating fish. You're not wrong with that, mate. Sounds um, uh, sounds like a good setup that. <laughs> now, um, so here's an, another description I found of the Fomorians ruling before the flood. That were driven out by the tooth and right it said over time they began to de-evolve their physical appearance changing into misshapen bodies with an animal-like appearance it said no two were alike some had three legs and some with only one 
some with the head of a man and others with the head of a goat. And they were foul-tempered, uncultured, and unintelligent. You know, um, mate, it's like um, these descriptions are like, uh, I'm presuming they're from uh, different different books or different sources. So these mm -hmm. would have been coming from like possibly different um, civilizations, maybe different tribes. Yeah, yeah. These might have been from different areas of like uh, Europe, North, South, and they've mm -hmm. encountered uh, some of these beings and, you know, there might have been that many of them. Right. But there might have been a few or there could have been fucking hundreds, thousands potentially. We just don't know, do we? Right, right. Well, and I think these were just like, uh, if you get into Rudolf Steiner, um, he talks about after the flood um that a lot of these migrations from the east to the west um were basically the surviving um clans and tribes you know from atlantean times that were looking for cover and it's very much like uh, mesa verde here in the united states and um in the four corners region um where basically the, this tribe you know they they said there was a great catastrophe and they basically came to this uh mesa which, you know, Mesa in Spanish means table. Um, and they basically, you know, climbed up and they farmed on the top and lived in the, the cliffs because they were afraid that another flood was going to come, you know? Is this the so, guy what, what uh, made like, uh, it looks like a sitter in the, the side yeah. of the mountain? Is that the same? Yeah, yeah. And I've, I've been all through there, man. We stayed out there for like 10 days. Um, I hired a couple rangers to take us into some of these cliff dwellings. I, got, I actually got to crawl through them. Um, oh, yeah, I saw Cocapelli's house, um, saw a bunch of uh, petroglyphs, you know, um, that we hiked out to. Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, basically you have just these. Yeah, oh, it was great, man. It was great. Um, but but you have these just these various, uh, you know, tribes and clans that are basically um, looking for a place of stability, you know, after the after the flood, you know, yeah. so they I think they were moving and wandering and, you know, basically just looking for somewhere where they could set up shop and feel safe, you know. Do you know what? It's like the place where you've been in uh, in America. Mm. Where is it again, uh, Robert? Um, in the Four Corners region. Four um, region. Yeah, which is down around uh, New Mexico area. Um, I can't remember exactly what state it's in. It may be in Colorado. Um, uh, but yeah, I would have to look it up, man. Um, yeah, no problem, mate. We can uh, speak about that another time, can't we? But yeah, you know yeah. what? What? Um, what was something like sort of? Um, Raise, raise something is there's something similar in Turkey, and there where there's like uh, an area that is I don't know what it's called the area, but it's like a fucking village, like created in the like in the hills or in in the a mountain. Um, yeah, what it's called it just sounds mm. very familiar to the the place where you've been. Yeah, nice. Um. So I've got a going through all these texts. I found um, 
just a singular reference to one of the Fomorian kings um, named Tetra. And um, they basically said that um, the sword of this king was called Uthra or Orna. Uthra or Orna. Right. And for some reason in Tolkien, um, I remember there's a reference to Uthra somewhere. I would have to go back and read Tolkien again. <laughs> um, now there's a book called the the Irish Book of Shadows, and um, in that, Irish, I am uh, drawn to that immediately. Right? Right? What is that? Oh, right. Irish Book. Um, of it just has it has some of the miscellaneous early tales um, of Ireland. Um, but they they basically talk in one part they talk about a wellspring um, that's called the well of slain and wow. it said um, this was where when the dead were immersed they were restored to life right and and then it says in the night fomorian agents clog the spring and the well with dirt and boulders thus destroying it forever destroying it forever right so these fomorians basically snuck in in the night i guess it's kind of this idea of um of some of the previous races not wanting humans to live um long lives you know there's a common like theme that you see you know as far as the the noetic laws and like limiting the years of man to 120 years um you know a, a lot so nonetheless they're covering up some sort of a uh, a fountain of youth um but it but it says when the dead were immersed they were restored to life so yeah i thought that was interesting very 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 it's, uh, it's fascinating mm. So um, let's see the uh, now. There's a story of um, Grania from Angus, and Grania shelters in a cave, and um, during this this really bad storm, and um, there's it's Grania and and someone else uh let's see if i have the name here um struggled and oh yeah so um so it was grania and another character named diamurid um but but they were in a cave during the storm and it was like on the sea and um somehow this like uh, i think it was like a log came into the cave and out of the log crawled a fomorian and they they said he was quote unquote a big a big fellow right? and his name was sayach sayach and so uh, Grania and Sayach, you know, while they're waiting out the storm, um, they basically sit down to a game of chess. And so you have uh, this Grania playing chess against a Fomorian, um, Sayach. 
and basically Syach won the game. Um, and as his prize, he tried to take um, Grania, right? Actually, tried to take her. As far as you know, basically, I won, so you're mine now. Is that as that is his wife, like, um... or his concubine? You know, something along those lines. Um, but uh, instead of resisting, um, Grania snuggled in right with the Fomorian and subtly put a dagger and and pierced him in his thigh. Whoa. And that was when Daramurid um, jumped up and made an end to him with his sword. All right, so he killed, after that, he killed the... He killed the Fomorian, yeah. <sighs> right. Incredible, man. Now, here's, uh, so uh, the Fomorian were a race of monsters who challenged God's supremacy in the Battle of Moratura, right? And the Romans identified that character we talked about, Lug. Um, they identified Lug with Mercury, interestingly. Mercury is in the Mercury God. As in Hermes, um, Thoth, Thoth, Hermes, Mercury, Trismegistus. Ah, right, right. right. All right. Yeah. So, um, and um, let's see. So, and also Lug's name is um, in a variety of forms um, were taken by different cities, such as Lyons, Loudon, Laun, Leon, Leiden, um, Litzig, um, Carlisle. And Vienna. What was that? Joe Biden. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, let's see. Now, one of the uh, one of the let's see. Okay, so here's uh, one of the descriptions of the Fomorians. Right. Um, it said they were a race of sea monsters who struggled for supremacy against the Tutankhamun, And it said they were half human and half monster or moon star. Um, they each had one hand, one leg, and three rows of teeth. And their leader, Baylor, had one eye in the center of his forehead and was the grandfather of Lug. Do you know, sort of Robert? Hmm. Hey. The descriptions are, uh, you know, it must have been Frank. He's put in the same sense. Having one leg and one arm, you wouldn't think that they would be able to do much, but if they've got supernatural powers, mm. it's going to change everything, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, you get back into the Atlanteans, um, and there is occasional talk about uh, psi powers as far as telekinesis and, and different psychic phenomena, you know. So, so like the Atlanteans, as like uh, the powers would be uh, having the ability to manipulate, um, at, you know, at extortionate levels. Mm. You would, you would yeah. think, you know, you assume now, uh, mate. It just that adds, 
a, a brilliant level of fascination. Um, right. I can't stop smiling, do you, mate? <laughs> um, I love it all. So now I also had I also found um the Tutanana in in their Sids, um S I D H S, which reminds me of Sis. Um let's see, uh they were now they were ruled the Tutanana were ruled by Dagda, um, who was a hero god who waged war with the last of the Fomorians. And um Dagda carried a huge club and one in one end of which would kill while the other end of which would heal any wound that sounds a bit fucks up that mate so we can actually heal and kill destroy with with like a swipe of the club but then just say if he was uh, just say if he just killed somebody in battle would he be able to heal him straight away do you think right right yeah that's what it was for yeah wow yeah, so he was like, you know, striking down his enemy and healing his his um his know, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, that's, um, uh, that's brilliant, isn't it? Right. Um really? so the Dagda were said to wander in and out of the Sids and were immune to the aging process. So are we talking like um an immortal immortals, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah and and now here's what's funny about the dagda is they wore a tunic that was too small to cover um his belly right so he was a, a sort of a hero a buffoon hero right hero. <laughs> right and um he had uh, a huge uh sexual and gastronomic a- appetite so he liked to have, to have a lot of sex and he liked to eat a lot right Oh, um, a, bit, a bit like uh, a bit like a bit like you, uh, you and I, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, at at a certain point, the Fomorians actually captured um, this. Uh, he's almost like some sort of a king god, a god king of the Tutanhamun, right? So do, do we think that is we're leaning towards him being uh, some sort of demigod or a, an angel, so to speak, with with the yeah. mentioned ones? I yeah, just you think- gotta wonder, you know. Um, oh. But now the Fomorians captured him at one point, right? And, yeah, and they dug like a big hole in the earth, right? And they mixed up eighty gallons, which would be three hundred and four liters of porridge. And porridge. Uh, yep, of porridge. And on top of that, they put eighty gallons of fat. And then they put um, equal parts, so another 80 gallons of milk and 80 gallons of wine. And and then they also mixed in this uh, hole in the ground with all this porridge. Um, they mixed in 80 goats and 80 sheep. Hey, what's going on at <laughs> all? So, and then they made him eat it all, right? And so basically they, they brought him a spoon, and they said the spoon was so big that it would take four four average men to lift it up, right? And so Dagda, he he commences to eat this, and you know, um, in one story it said his belly was so fat he couldn't even move around, and he ended up throwing it up. Um, but in another story, it said after eating it all, um, he seduced all the Fomorian women. <laughs> 
and, and that included the dread goddess um Mor Morrigan, right? Morrigan. Yeah, Morrigan. M O R R I G A N. As in the the trio, uh the the Morrigan, uh, the answer that the uh, air quote witches, so to speak. Yes, yes. Yeah, this was the dread goddess Morrigan. Which kind of also hints later, I think you get into like Morgana, you know, um, but who is glad of his attention and promised to use her magic against her own people as a result. So, yeah, and that's pretty much um, all the stuff that I could find about the Fomorians, except I do have one um thing here i'm pulling it up right now basically i found this poem um let's see so this is from the song of kriabag right and this is by carol uh patrick joseph from 1916 who was a poet right so i'm gonna and this is a pretty short little poem i'm gonna i'm gonna just read and then we can we can have some discussion and then uh, um, go from there. So yeah, this is called this is called the legend of the harp, right? The and of the harp, and it says they fought a great battle long long years ago on the plains of Magturid. That's Ireland, you know. The Danana invaders with their long golden hair were fighting the blue-eyed Fomorians there. The Fomorians were conquered and fled from the fray, but stole a gold harp from the victors away. Then wept the bard Dagda with locks white as snow. What is victory, O chieftains, my harp with the foe? What is life, O my chieftains, when silent is song? What is war when the bard bears no gold harp along? Every chief's yellow spear bright flashed the moon, and they swore by the harp they would capture it soon. A few chosen warriors sped into the night with Dagda the harper and sought for the light. The light where the Fomerians made their feast hall and pledged to the harp where it hung on the wall. Light glimmers all follow, but pause by the door and hear the wild pledges they pledge o'er and o'er. Then Dagda, white hair, the master of song, calls aloud his harp, and it leaps o'er the throng. It leaps to his arms, the child of his soul. He plucks the strings, and sweet melodies roll. First the low wail of sorrow that wakens up tears. The chieftains are silent the rest in their spears. Next, a wild hymn of gladness, and many and long are the shouts of them all neath the spell of that song. Last, the bard plucks the strings to music of sleep, and there falls such a calm as the calm of the deep. And every eye waxes heavy, every head sinks to rest. Then Dagda steals home, the harp close to his breast. Hey. Oh, I consider, when, when was this poem maybe from? 
That let me look. Oh, sorry about me, mate. Oh no, no, it's uh, so it's songs of Calebeg, Calebeg. So it's C R E E L A B E G, and the author is um, Patrick Joseph Carroll, C A R R O L L, and it was published in 1916. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Makes you so, wonder. Yeah, so that's a more modern um, yeah. interpretation based off the legends. Um, really? The, yeah. Well, and and if we remember back when uh, Bress, they were talking about Bress um, essentially not doing his duty, and it said there was no music in the air, there was no poetry. You know, the their their breath didn't smell like ale. You know, so it's this idea of of you know. What what's worth living if there's not, you know, song to fill the air and and ale in the belly, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I particularly love it how, uh, I mean, I know it's going back compared to now, but it's it's nice that the the continuing uh, sort of mythology that mm. you know, if it wasn't for podcasting, mate. I wasn't aware of the Fomorians. It's yeah. something, um, it's like a part of history that's uh, unheard of almost. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and even when you do dig for it, you know, like I said, I had to go through 30-plus books to draw these miscellaneous things out and piece them very, together. Very, very yeah. little. One. Yeah. I mean, in Book of Invasions, there's not an awful lot whatsoever. Nope, no. it just mentions of, them. Yeah, it's, yeah. There's yeah. much more to Arthur and the football than, than these, um, these are the most important to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. there should be uh, extensive material on these bad boys. Right, right. But I think this uh, this Chronicles of Erie that I'm going through now is going to have a pretty substantial amount of, of um, some of the stuff that we've talked about in here. Because yes. I did find, I did through the course of this investigation... Like I said, I didn't want to go through the Chronicles of Erie because I'm in it right now, and I think you know we can cover that in the future. Um, but I did see a couple places where they did reference um, the guy that wrote the Chronicles of Erie. They didn't mention the Chronicles of Erie, but they they did mention. Um, I think it's O'Connor um, by name, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, man, that's that's pretty much all I was able to dig up. Right. Uh... <laughs> I mean, it was like like part one, uh, probably. Yeah, well, it's kind of a like a side um, exploration of the major kind of theme we've been going down um, yeah, with the, the Book yeah. of Invasions, and I mean, and it's just funny how it ties into all the Nimrod stuff, and it's uh, it's it's yeah, fun ride. Well, I, do you know what, Robbie? Right? I said to you, and uh, um, you know, I think I think I said it before we started recording last week. Um, just, just like as a quick one, what's your thoughts on you know uh, in the book of invasions, uh, Nemrod is mentioned now. All it is yep. is a difference in spelling. It can't be anything else than Nimrod. Oh yeah, sure. Well, and this is also at the same time period when Nimrod was ruling all of you know over all of Mesopotamia and Shinar and, and all these different lands. You know, so. Yeah, I, th I think it's very likely that 
Nimrod or Nimrad or Nim, you know, however they spell it. Um, yeah. And and the fact that they also relate it directly to the Tower of Babel, you know. So and yeah. Nimrod, Nimrod was the, you know, Nimrod the Elder was the Tower of Babel, and then it was Nimrod the Younger that basically took over and became the rule over all of Mesopotamia in the Bible, you know. It's, uh, it's like when you uh, you put together the series you did with with our New York Patriot, um, mm. the the Skinwalker, Nimrod being the first Skinwalker. I right. love that man. It right. was um, really really interesting how you, yeah. you put everything together the way you did. Yeah. Which is what I mean about you, Robbie. You are the talent. You're gifted in, in a way. It's just, uh, it's just stuff that that I find it way more interesting than any soap opera you're gonna watch on TV. Oh, yeah, hands uh, down, hands down. Yeah, yeah. I'm, um, I mean, sorry, mate. What? No, I was just gonna say um, that we had been talking about um, getting those shows together and um, you know getting together um, some of the releases I did for for a podcast. Where I'll be streaming out some of my stuff in the future. Yes, mate. I think uh, the way we'll set it up, they'll set up exactly how you like. Um, you know, I've, I, as we were speaking before, when you say you had a couple of issues, like like downloading of what your page. Yeah, I did ask him why we've been doing a show. He's uh, actually sent them over to me, so nice. you know, mate. I can. Make a start on that as soon as we finished. I'll make a start. Yeah, get those four on there, and then we can do do some of the ones we've done, and yeah, uh, then I'll start releasing those uh, those recordings that I did. Yeah, yeah, mate. Yeah. Well, whichever way you want to go for it, it's not a problem. Um, yeah, yeah. I've made up. Um, I, do you know something, mate? I think I would like you to. I think it's a good idea that you uh, let everybody know what's happening. You know, because mm. um, I've said to you since we first met, really, you should have your own mate. It's uh, fucking killer. Yeah. And that's just the thing. I mean, with time and all the stuff, you know, family and the house and hey, the chickens. And the, yeah. But, but I think it's a good idea to maybe take these shows cumulatively and, and start to have them in a centralized location, you know? Well, um, do you know what I mean? So I'll, I'll set it up so everything's in one place, like you said. Yeah. Um, Just for posterity, got, you know? Yeah. yeah. Mate, you've yeah. done that many shows, you've been on that many podcasts. I it's adding up, them. you know? I can take all of them and add them to your, um, you know, you don't have to release them all at once. You could do one a week or two a week. Right. But right. they'll right. all be set up so you can release them whenever you want. Yeah. That'll be fun, man. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> no, no problem, mate. I'll do anything yeah, for you. Yeah. Just like you do anything for me. It's, uh, yeah, man. Very lucky. Very lucky. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're just lucky to be able to, to get to have these conversations, you know, on these devices. I mean, man, how else would it be that, that you can sit there, you know, across the, the sea and I can sit over here and, you know, even talking to like Raven down in North Carolina or talking to, it's just like uh, the, the community and you have to want, you know, and 
we didn't really get into it, but that's the whole thing. Like in Tolkien on my, you know, the Tory Island with the glass tower. Um, it's, that's where that, uh, communication stone that Tolkien uses basically is, you know, and it's, they're using it as some sort of a broadcaster, um, to be able to communicate to, you know, their different ilk in different parts of the world. Um, and, and I've even heard some say that, um, very much like the, um, Ark of the Covenant was a sort of a, a radio type device, you know? You just yeah. have to wonder about that stuff. It's um, uh, remarkable. Past technologies, you know, and, and then what really is, you know, it's like future primitive, man, because a lot of the stuff that we're talking about has already been talked about in ancient texts, you know? For sure, mate. Uh, I yeah. think, uh, I mean, like, like with all that, it's, uh, it, it, to me, it just makes, makes fascination more the intriguing mm. everything about the the old possibility of you know, of what things can be or what you can interpretate things to be yeah uh, it, it's like i don't know it's not not so much as being off topic from what we've just discussed but uh, we, i mean we've always got a choice for it no matter what you do, there's always uh, a choice. And I think that's the good part of being who we are, where we can, you can make that decision yourself. Right, right. I mean, that, that can change your path on what yeah. it would have been previously. And you make, you're changing that, just that, uh, making a decision. And mm. if you don't know if it's right or if it's wrong, but if yeah. you go with your feeling and it'll kind of take you on a different path, Right. It's like a bit like, well, we've all got like um, a, a shadow self, so to speak. Where I don't think that's a bad thing. Mm. I think it's, um, you know, it's how you interpret it. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's the thing, man. I mean, the word information, you know, it means information. It's, it's, it's facts and ideas coming together. You know, it's not solid yet. So all we're doing is covering, you know, informa and the more information you take in, you know, eventually you'll get to the point where you can start to have things begin to solidify in your mind. In really? but, but we're all going to have different perspectives, you know? Yes, and, and this is it, Robert. Uh, when you've got different perspectives, it's depending you can control yourself. You can have mm. The conversations you can have are fascinating. Right, right. And uh, being able to, you know, after a certain amount of time, you know, I'm getting to be an old man now. You know, I'm 51. Uh, yeah. You know? <laughs> um, but but that's the thing, you know, at a, at a certain point, um, when you get enough information into your mind matrix, um, you get to the point where you can begin to jump from one side to the other. Um, yeah and and see the multiple perspectives uh and then in conversations that can be great fun because then you can play the devil's advocate you know and kind of really press out ideas out of people yeah yeah so and and like i tell people you know when i'm having a conversation i don't believe any of this all we're all we're doing is trying to hammer out what reality is man you know yeah Uh, and that's what makes 
our community so interesting, Robert. Right. Because of the possibilities of, uh, and directions you can go are a fucking endless, mate. Yeah, yeah, true that. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I, I probably got to jump off, man. My wife yes, is... Uh... Uh, no problem. Robert, before you go, mate, uh, would you like to let everybody know where they can get hold of you? Please. Yeah, I'm on Instagram at Robbie, R-O-B-B-Y, Marks, M-A-R-X. Um, I'm on Etsy at R Marks Artist. Um, I'm on uh, Twitter, Facebook. Um, I'm all over the place. Um, if you Google R Marks Artist, you'll, you'll be able to find me out there. Yeah, nice one, mate. I'll add all your links as per usual, but nice. if you haven't seen Robbie's art, you just, just check it out and uh, you'll know exactly why. <laughs> My favourite artist that I've ever, uh, I yeah. love the art you, mate, and it's Thanks, all man. different. It's fucking mint, mate. I love it. I love it. Um, but, Robbie, you've Killed it again, mate. That was amazing, hey. mate. I love, I love, I love yeah. speaking to you. You are, you're something else. You it really was fun, man. Yeah. <laughs> nice one, mate. Uh, Robert, thanks again, mate. I'm just going to stop recording now. This six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face. The blackest eyes. The devil's eyes. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.